Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons online on our YouTube channel linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, I need a volunteer. Who can, I knew Luke, would you, I just knew you were going to raise your hand. I need somebody more timid. Somebody who doesn't usually, Lindsay, you come here. Yeah, Lindsay's a guest. This is how I treat our guests. So if you're here, the next time I preach, you're coming up. Lindsay, come on up here. Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed this knife here, Lindsay, from someone else in the church, because I don't carry knives. Um, I borrowed it from a girl. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to preach for a second. You're just going to stand with me, okay? Oh. All right, so this is our church. Um, guys, say, say hello to Lindsay. Lindsay. Lindsay and everybody else, do you, do you agree with me that clarity in anything, whether you're a student, uh, whether you're in business, whether you're whatever it is, clarity is important for success, right? Students, you've had that professor where you're the whole semester, you're like, what do you desire of me? Like, what do I have to do to make you happy? Versus that one that's like, hey, here's everything you need to know. I don't even care if you come to class. If, if you pass, you pass. Like, if you fail, you fail. <laughs> Clarity leads to success. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Uh, because if we don't have clarity, uh, I learned this the hard way in some jobs where you, you get hired, you're fired up, and you have no direction, and you're like, what am I doing here? Like, I, I remember this in ministry. I remember being in my closet. You remember, she used to be my ministry assistant at our last church. You remember my office, a little closet yes. where you could barely open the door? I could like Steven. come out. I remember sitting in that office and crying like <clears throat> a couple of times. Like just crying and this is like, Lord, I thought you were leading me to ministry. I thought it was going to be like this, you know, nirvana experience where it's like, I'm there, I'm enlightened. Like this is what, and I just remember thinking, what am I doing here? Like I, I was doing more for the kingdom in the work, like in the, in the secular world. And the problem was, is like they knew they wanted me there, but I didn't have, they didn't have clarity for my position. They just knew that we want you on board. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I don't see the target. I don't know where I'm throwing darts. Like, I, where, where am I aiming? I don't know what is, what's the win? What's the, what's the, what am I? And so I thought it might be good to have a physical example. So I'm going to give you this knife. Don't cut yourself. I want you, I'm going to give you a chance to throw it. I'm going to let you take this bottle off my head. I want you to come over here. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, a little, fee, yeah, a little, little revenge. Come over here. Now, I need you to close your eyes. All right, come a little close. Don't hit the keyboard or the TVs. I want you to close your eyes. Can, can I borrow you for just a second? Actually, hold this. I don't want you to get close to the knife, but I want you to help her turn. I want her to turn five circles. I want you to close your eyes. Five circles, all right? Make sure she doesn't hit anything. You don't have to get near her. Just get it, like, right here. I want you to turn five full circles, and then I want you to throw that knife and knock this bottle off my head, okay? But you got to close your eyes, and you got to keep them closed. Are you a little too nervous? Yes. Michael, get up here. You got this. I just, all I want is a guard. Nate, there we go. Okay. Nate's going to help her turn. Close those eyes. I want you to close your eyes. Turn five circles. One. Two. Close those eyes, Lindsay. Don't lie. Three. We're in church. I'm already dizzy. Come on. 
All right, five. Now I want you. No, you're not, you're not supposed to help her. Oh, sorry. She needs to. She needs to... <laughs> All right, close your eyes. Now tell me, how confident are you at hitting this bottle? How bad do you want to throw that knife at me? Uh, ten. <laughs> All right. Let me, I'm going to come over here. I'm going to take the blade. You're good. All right, let's give Lindsay a hand for a second. All right, you can sit down. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. That example was, was a struggle bus, but I think you get the idea that sometimes if we don't have clarity, we don't know where we're aiming, right? If Nate didn't help her, Lindsay probably would have stuck one of you guys or the TV. But without clarity, we just kind of wander, right? The scripture says, without vision, the people perish. Or, I mean, it, it, clo- a closer version is without prophetic vision, the people perish, and what I have found in any arena is if you don't have clarity, it's hard to be successful. And, and you don't know what's expected. And ultimately, it will lead you to frustration. Everybody that's been in a job, that, like I just described, you end up frustrated. You end up frustrated. You end up leaving. Clarity breeds freedom. And actually, I, I did all of that to bring it to this. That's why we are walking through what we mean when we talk about our core values. As for those that came to Phoenix Community of Athens this morning, uh, in a few weeks, it will be Revival City Church. We are going through a name change, a branding change, for many awesome reasons. We can talk about those later. If you have a question about that, we can answer it. But in that, we have invited you for the last several weeks. We've invited everyone here that says, I want to be a part of this body. I don't want to just attend the church. I want to belong to this body. We've invited you to be a part of our launch team, and the launch team of a church plant helps a church launch. It helps it establish itself. It it becomes everything that the church wants to become. It embodies the the mission and the core values, and and it goes after those things. And so we've been walking the last several weeks through our core values. We actually haven't moved past our first core value, the most important core value. And it is we are, we want to be a church that is biblically grounded and spiritually empowered. Biblically grounded, spiritually empowered. The first two weeks, Nate spent just talking how important it is to be biblically grounded, right? We say all the time, you know, when people talk about where they want to go to church, we say, you know, don't just go to the church closest to your house. Go to the church closest to the Bible. You have to be in a church that is biblically grounded. And Nate walked through how this is active and it's living, it's alive, right? It divides even to the, to the bone and marrow. It, it cuts men at the heart. This does something that I cannot do in my flesh. We have to be biblically grounded. He led us into to, uh, Psalm 119 where David himself is saying, man, God calls me to love this, illuminate this, how the Holy Spirit, man, brings this to life. And then last week he stepped into really just the, the, the week one of four weeks we're going to spend in what does it mean to be spiritually empowered. Why I brought Lindsay up here is because a lot of us can just say yes to these core values and not even understand what they are. We don't know what we're aiming for. When I say, hey, you should be biblically grounded and spiritually empowered, some of you, you, get the, you understand what we mean by biblically grounded, but when it comes to spiritually empowered, you're like, what, what are you actually saying? What, what does that really mean? And so that's actually what I want to talk about today. Nate opened the door last week and just describing to us who is the Holy Spirit. He actually went a dangerous route in trying to, to explain things through the Trinity, which is an incredibly hard doctrine to understand, but did a fantastic job. 
And he, and he talked about some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, how valuable the Holy Spirit is, even ending the service with that powerful moment where he led us to where Jesus leads his disciples and, say, and he says to them, it's better that I actually go because I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And Nate was even vulnerable in saying, man, I would probably have been as confused as the disciples saying, I don't even understand that and I'm not sure I believe it. Jesus in the flesh. I mean, I just watched an episode of The Chosen last night, and not that that's really Jesus, but man, he does a good job of playing Jesus. And you're just like, oh, I want him to be right here with me. And he's saying he, it's better that he leaves? Why? Because there's one that he's going to send, his helper, the Holy Spirit. And so the reason we're taking so many weeks to, to flesh this out is because it is essential. Beloved, you got to hear me. If you're in the lobby, you got to hear me this morning. It is absolutely essential, one, for you as a believer. Let me just, we're going to dive into this this morning. Uh, You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. But it is absolutely essential for you as a believer to understand what it means to be spiritually empowered. And number two, it's important for us as a body, as Revival City Church, to understand what it means to be spiritually empowered. That's why we're going to spend the next several weeks walking through our core values, kind of creating that target for all of us. We know what we're aiming for. We know what we want to become. We want to be people who are biblically grounded and spiritually empowered. And by the end of this, you're going to know exactly what we mean and what Scripture means when we say spiritually empowered. And so if you would turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. And would you stand with me for the honoring of the reading of the Word of God? We're going to dive into Galatians 5. Now, I was going to read and preach from one verse, and then I just I got captivated by the whole chapter, and I'm like, man, we just got to dive in. We're just going to exposit this really quick, but just a spoiler alert, this week as we talk about what it means to be spiritually empowered, we're going to talk about what it means for the Spirit to do a work in you. I know a lot of us, and we're going to get into this, we think when we, we think about being spiritually empowered, we're thinking about what the Spirit does through us ministry-wise. Like we're, we, want to, we want to operate in the gifts, and we want to do these things, but today it's, it's about what the Spirit does in us that we might be the right soil to do those things. Okay? And I think this, this whole chapter is going to speak to the heart of every one of us. I don't care where you are, how awesome of a place you're in, or how just terrible of a place you're in. This, this chapter is so powerful. Actually, this entire book of Galatians and the, the Bible in general is, is just powerful, and it speaks directly to us. So let's dive in. Galatians 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Man, we can just stop right there. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand, for, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcisions, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's, those are pretty strong words. Thank you, Apostle Paul. Verse 13, for you are called to freedom. You are called to what? Freedom. You are called to what? Freedom. 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 Brothers, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These two oppose each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. Man, just that one verse right there explains to so many of you why you're so entangled and frustrated in your walk with Jesus. Is your flesh and the spirit in you are opposed to each other, keeping you from doing what you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, I'll just say that again. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and enemy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Not just these, but things like these. And it's not all-encompassing. It's just giving you a taste of what is the flesh. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those things do... I'm sorry. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those things... Do such things will not inherit. Oh, those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In verse 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, man, we thank you for <laughs> what Nate called this last, just a couple weeks ago, this love letter that you've given us that instructs, that rebukes, that corrects, that gives us direction, that really gives us that target that we can aim for in this life to, to keep us from frustrating, from frustration, keep us from condemnation and guilt that we might run in freedom, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, every distraction in the room be silenced. God, I pray any voice that's not yours be silenced this morning. Help us to take away from this what you desire for us. Help us to understand what it means to be spiritually empowered, Lord, that we might live for your glory in a greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So anytime we open the Bible and we just start reading, you, you, it's, it's important that you understand some context that Paul is writing to an awesome church in Galatia, uh, but a church that since Paul, uh, since his first uh, teaching and coming has, has allowed other voices to speak in, and they've, they've started to move away from 
the doctrine of grace. They started moving away from the grace of Christ, and what, what we call Judaizers have come in, and, and they're starting to tell them, hey, there's other things that you need to do if you want to inherit heaven. If you want God, you want a relationship with him, there's other things that you need to do. And just a quick, for those, uh, Jesus plus anything is not the gospel. Uh, Jesus plus nothing else is the gospel. And so they've, been, they've, they've got these other voices that are speaking in, hey, you need to be circumcised. And I love Paul saying, man, if you get, if you get circumcised thinking that's going to help you, you've severed yourself from Christ. We can't put our confidence in anything else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so what I want to do, I want us to spend uh, our time talking about the Holy Spirit's work in us. But before we get there, I just want to kind of walk through this passage, through this chapter quickly, because I, I, I just really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit that th there's some ears in the room that need to hear what's going to be said today. Uh, and so I'm just going to trust. Uh, this is going to be my version of partnering with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see how it works out. I pray that somebody is saved in this place. I pray that there's repentance. I pray that there's just things broken off of you, uh, namely the yoke of slavery that he talks about right here in verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This idea of a yoke of slavery literally is uh, uh, my definition of not living spiritually empowered. It is, it is following rules in order to try to achieve something in the spirit. Doing all the right things. In this case, obviously, circumcision. If you don't know what a yoke of slavery is, if you've ever seen an ox or you've ever been to a farm and you see them yoked together, there's literally like this metal bar, this piece of wood. It's just so they can't go anywhere. They are stuck in this thing and they just have to go. If you've ever seen a yoke of slavery with actual slaves where they literally have like two long pieces of wood and just a little metal thing, you can't go anywhere. You just have to walk in line with these people. And that's what he's saying. Hey, Christ came to free you. And to take off of that, that yoke of slavery, it's, it's done. And so many of us, for whatever reason, have a tendency to kind of go back and pick up that yoke of slavery. It, you think it makes you feel better and it gives you direction, but it doesn't. It enslaves us. So many of us, I don't know why it is we are tempted to, to pick up that yoke of slavery and put it on, thinking we just, man, look at me. And you don't realize in the spirit, you just are so bound and beat up by condemnation. And he goes on and says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Essentially, Paul is saying this, that if there is something you can do, beloved, in your own strength, your own good looks, your own money, if you could pour out your bank account and make a difference, if, if there was something that you could do, there would be no need for Jesus' death on the cross. You'd be severed from Christ. His, his death and resurrection would be no use to you because you think there's something you can do to earn your way, right? We're, man, our, our world is full of, of, of individuals who, who live under that yoke of slavery. I see them every day when I drive downtown. I see a Jehovah Witness stand, and they're just standing there hoping that nobody talks to them. And they're doing that as something, they're trying to earn their way. Have a conversation with them, by the way, I encourage you. Or Mormons who, who roam the neighborhood. Man, they're doing that because they feel the weight of that yoke of slavery saying, man, I got to it. There's only a limited number. If I don't do this, I'm not, gonna get, I'm not getting in. Now, I, look, I've had many, 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 many conversations with Mormons actually here in the States and overseas. Uh, and I've had some great conversations. And man, I, it breaks my heart when I have those conversations. These young people going on mission, and they have no idea why. 
All is in a hope to, to earn a, a place in heaven among a small number of people that get in. Man, what a yoke of slavery for the rest of his life, her life, his life. They live under that. And unfortunately, so many of us do as well. We put on that yoke of slavery. And what's interesting is Paul says, man, if you're going to get circumcised, beloved, like you have to obey the whole law. All 613 Jewish commands that make up the law. Put that yoke of slavery on. If you're going to do one thing, you got to do them all. And you can understand what, the, I mean, I can just imagine being the Galatians reading Paul's letter. Like, oh man, for I, what, what are we believing here? And I know that those kind of thoughts exist here. I've had conversations with so many of you. For freedom, Christ came to set you free, to remove that yoke of slavery. And he goes in to say in verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, nor uncircumcision counts for anything, for anything, but only faith working through love. I think Paul says this best uh, to the church at Philippi in Philippians 3, uh, 3 through 11. He says this, for we are the circumcision who worship God by the Spirit. And he's saying we are the circumcision, circumcised by our heart, right? A different circumcision, born by the Spirit who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. How many of us can stand and say, I put no confidence in the flesh? I ain't striving. How many of us? That's our culture, man. Go after it. You got to work harder. Try harder. And I get that. I love, you guys know, I love that, that culture. That's something that makes me thrive. When I used to work at CrossFit with, with Lindsay, them getting down in my face and screaming, one more, one more. I'm like, yes, I can do another one. Like, I, I thrive off of that. My wife, nope. They're like, come on, Kristen. She's like, no, I'm good. I, I finished my last one. I'm, my body's at its peak, and I'm done. I thrive off of that stuff. Come scream at me. Push me. Push me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Retired army. I, I think I would have done a great job in the armed forces, honestly. I, I think I would, have th- I would have just thrived in that culture. But... Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence. Though I myself have, and I love this as Paul just kind of like, he's mic dropping here. Though I have confidence, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, says Paul. And then he just kind of rolls out this, let me tell you why I got more confidence. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, a people of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. For whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's go. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. I need, you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Yeah, come on. Man, I can just imagine hearing this being read in the church at Philippi in that day. That I would have been the one like, let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Just hearing him say, I literally count it as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count it as rubbish. I have taken all of these things, my pedigree, my degree, no offense, I know you spent thousands of dollars on that degree. Like he's saying, I take all of that and I crumble it up and I put no confidence in it. I literally count it as rubbish. Scripture is like literally, someone in our small group last Monday said like dung. This is like, I I consider it dung. I consider it rubbish, garbage. 
all of these great things when compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, right? I count it as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. May that be the desire of our heart, that all this other stuff, man, we don't, we don't even care. We just want to be found in Christ. We want to gain him and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, no, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, the, the spiritually empowered that we're talking about today, that we may know that and may share in his suffering. I know a lot of us don't want that, but man, may we share with Christ in his suffering. Because when we, when we share in the power of his resurrection, that suffering, that knowing him, man, you can do anything. I can do, that's where his words come to life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Here's the deal. This is the simplicity of the gospel. He's literally saying nothing else matters. Nothing we do in the flesh is good enough. Only that we may have faith in him who's done it all. In the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence is. It is not in the flesh. I know some of you are, man, you are, you are extremely strong Good-looking people. You got a great pedigree. You come from family, like money. You got a great family. You drive the nicest car in the parking lot. You got it all. And I'm telling you, do not put your confidence in those things. Do not put your count that as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus and being in him and, and knowing of his powerful resurrection power, the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Paul, for your amazing epistles. Going on, in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, to keep you, I mean, how many of you are just feeling, as I'm reading this, you're just like, gosh, that's me, man, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So when we talk about being biblically grounded and, and, and spiritually empowered, the slogan that we have is, biblically grounded, we want to be taught by the word. Spiritually empowered, we want to be led by the spirit. So you, beloved, as a Revival City, uh, Revival City Church, we want to be taught by the word, and we want to be led by the spirit. So walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I can't tell you how many conversations I have about trying to overcome sin. People just getting beat up all day long by sin. Like, man, I can't overcome this. I'm just terrible. And they, just, they go right back to that yoke of slavery and put it on, and they think, I'm the worst in the room. Woe is me. And, and I just watch it destroy people, destroy people, because they're trying to overcome it in their own strength, in the flesh. They're trying to put all these things together, which are not bad things. You need to have boundaries. You need to, have, you need to put some things in place, guardrails in place. But you cannot put your confidence in those things. That's not the one who overcomes the sin. That's not the one that overcomes the flesh. It is by the Spirit. And if I was to ask this question, this is, this is just a rhetorical question. Please don't raise your hand. But if I was to say, how many of you struggle with the desires of the flesh right now? How many, I, just, I, I wonder how many hands would go up in the room. 
How many of us struggle right now with the desires of the flesh or just being, man, we're going 10 rounds with the flesh. They just can't seem to get out of it. Like, gosh, every time I take a step of victory, I get hit back. How many of us are there? And we try everything we can to overcome it. Everything but walking by the Spirit. In fact, I, I kind of debated on doing this. Nate, can you bring me the pot with the spices? We're going to have a little cooking class real quick. Um, I heard this uh, by a pastor one time. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Uh, by a pastor one time. I know this is going to be a strong statement, but I, 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 think I, I think I believe it. And so I'm going to share it. He says this. Anything that we do in the flesh to try to produce a spiritual result is witchcraft. Anything that we do in the flesh to try to produce a spiritual result is witchcraft. Yeah, write that down. How many of us look like this? I, I don't, I'm just going to be honest with you. When I thought about witchcraft, I thought about Hocus Pocus. You know, they had the like, big pot, and they're like, they're dropping stuff in there, and they're reading from the book, and they're like, okay, we need like some garlic and a human toe and like whatever. So I brought a pot on stage because I want to just show you what some of us look like week in and week out, struggling in the flesh, and we say, okay, whew, I need to get a better Bible plan. No, yeah, I need to do a little bit of Bible plan. Let me stir that up. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, uh, maybe I'll attend another Bible. I'll add another Bible study. I'll go on Monday nights, but I'm going to go Thursday and, and Friday too because I just, I feel like I stink. I, I just stink at this thing. I'm going to stir that up. And, yeah. Oh, oh, you know, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give up cussing. I'll just try that. Like, just really struggling, man. Like, nope, it's not there yet. You know what? I'm going to start giving the church more money because I think that might help. Uh, I, might, I might pay my way out of this. I might, you know, I might go to the confessional over at the Catholic church for a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm just going to, I'm going to do some more stuff, and you just keep stirring the pot, stirring the pot, and you're wondering, why am I not getting victory? Stop putting stuff in this pot. and stirring. It's not going to make you better. You're not going to overcome the things that you struggle with in the flesh. There's nothing that you can do. It's just never going to, it's just never going to be good enough. Man, I'm telling you, this has got to be freeing for some of you, because some of you, Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Some, that's what we look like. We're just stirring this pot, and we're wondering, what else? Oh, you know what? I'm going to do fill in the blank in my flesh to try to overcome this. And Paul is saying, Galatians, and I say Revival City, who has bewitched you? That what began in the spirit is now being perfected in the flesh? This is what Nate taught on last week. Who fooled us? Who has snuck in to to preach a different gospel? The beauty of this gospel is it doesn't rely on us. This is one where we get to lay ourselves down and and just exalt him and trust in him and follow him and be filled by him to carry all this out. We need to turn only to him, cling to him. I was going to have Nate come up here, and I was just going to show what we look like. I was just going to cling to him and say, this is what we should look like. Like, Just grab a hold of the Holy Spirit and don't let go of him in everything that you do. I need him. I have to have him. I want more of him. We sing it every week. But sometimes those words that we sing just, man, we struggle to let them translate into our life. So, no, I want this to be real of me. I want want to walk this out. The flesh and the spirit are at war, beloved. 
So, if, if, man, if, if you're trying that one foot in, like, oh, no, I'm going to try it at church, but, I, you know, I really like that over here, too. Like, it's not going to work. You're going to live a life of condemnation and frustration, and you will burn to a crisp because they oppose each other. You're, the spirit in you and the flesh are at war against each other. The question is, which one are you going to yield to? What kind of life do you want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Who are you trying to please in this life? People? Are you, are you under the fear of man? Or are you under the fear of God? I hate it. I, I know this is like truth. This is elementary truth for some of us, but I, it, it begs the question. You know, if we have one path that leads to life and freedom and one path that leads to death and condemnation and struggle and religion and legalism, why are we so, why do we have that propensity to just like turn this way and then get frustrated? It's just like, yeah, man, just put me on cruise control, Lord. Let me stay over here for a minute because I want to partner with your spirit. And we need that. I see so many of us in this cycle that says, I'm going to try a little more. I'm going to try harder, Stephen. Pastor, I hear this all the time. Pastor, I'm, all right, I just need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. You know, and then you mess up and you feel like you start back on like level one with the Lord. I don't understand this. It is a cycle that keeps us in a yoke of slavery, and we have to get rid of this. Some of us live in that cycle that I just described right now. You live in it right now, and you know I'm talking to you. Your heart's beating a little faster. You're a little uncomfortable. You're kind of squirming in your seat. You know I'm speaking to you, and I want you, I, I just want to speak Paul's words to the Galatians. For freedom, Christ came to die to give you freedom, beloved, not to put a yoke of slavery on your neck. Verses 19 to 21, it goes to say this. Now the works of the flesh, as we talk about, they're at war. The works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. It goes on and on. Divisions, drunkenness, orgies, things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the good news is, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It's peace. It's, it's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And against these things, there is no law. How many of us struggle with self-control in the room? How many of us struggle with being gentle? How many of us struggle with love? You just wake up, you're like, I don't like anybody. I, I, just, I don't want to go to class. I don't want to see a human. I don't want to talk to a human. How many of us struggle with those things? This is real talk. I'm not trying to be a perfect guy. Like, how many of us struggle with those things? Notice that Paul, he describes the, the flesh in, in the plural, the works of the flesh. But it, it, when he talks about the, the spirit, he, he speaks in the singular, the fruit of the spirit. Not the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. These are not like the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts, the, Holy, the scripture says the Holy Spirit, he, attri he, he apportions the gifts to whoever he wants, how he wants. But when you get him, you get the fruit of the spirit. It is a lump sum. You get it all right there. Boop. You get the fruit of the Spirit. You get all that seed. And because you have him, you're capable of producing all of them. Now, remember, I did say it's the fruit of the Spirit. I just need to remind you because some of you go right back to the flesh. Like while I'm preaching, you're going you're to start thinking in the flesh. It is not the fruit of man. It's the fruit of the flesh. So don't be thinking, well, what do I, I just need to be more loving. I need to, you know, I need to do something to produce these. You can't. These are fruit of the Spirit. 
And, and this is what I, I mean when we talk about spiritually empowered. This is a character thing that the Lord does in us before he's doing things through us. So many of us are fixated and fascinated with the spiritual gifts. And I am too. I love the spiritual gifts. There's nothing like seeing somebody deliver a word of knowledge that reads somebody's mail and they're literally just on the ground in tears. Or someone delivering a prophetic word and you're like, holy moly. I just, you guys know how I am. When that stuff happens, I weep because I know God's at work. But man, I, I, uh, you just don't hear people talking about the fruit of the Spirit. When's the last time you went to a conference on the fruit of the Spirit? When's the last time you went to a conference on the gifts of the Spirit? They seem like they're every day of the week. Now, don't hear me wrong. Nate's going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit in just, just a couple weeks because that's a part of empower, being spiritually empowered is the gifts of the Spirit. But, beloved, you got to understand how important the fruit of the Spirit is. And I just don't believe it's emphasized enough in the church. It's not just meant for our children's activities where they hang little fruit on a tree, right? And we just leave it there for the felt board lesson. It is for us. This is a grown-up, this is a basic doctrinal truth that we have to understand. This is a, a basic theological thing that we have to grasp. Because if the Holy Spirit's not doing its work in you, I, I, I would go as far as to say you don't, you don't have a right to go and try to have him do something through you. In fact, I mean, let's just look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, right? And that's a church that's got all kinds of problems. I mean, we got our problems, but they had all of the problems, right? The Corinthians were a jacked up church that Paul had to write to and say, man, you guys are extremely gifted, but you're crazy. Like, you're, everybody's doing their own thing. There needs to be some order here. And that's why he, he squeezes in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, hey, here, here's some awesome things about the gifts, and here's how to use those gifts. But before you try to operate in them, you have to have love. If you don't have love, I don't care what awesome thing you're doing, you are a noisy gong that is worthless. You can go give away all your money to the poor, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. What is love? It is a fruit of the Spirit. Paul's saying, hey, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you, man, you better just pause for a second. I know you want to prophesy. I know, you want, I know you want to speak some words of knowledge or words of wisdom. I know you want those gifts of miracles and the gifts of healing. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. So the fruit of the Spirit is extremely important. And when we talk about being spiritually empowered, we're talking about the Holy Spirit doing his work in us. If you don't have love, if you don't have gentleness, if you don't have faithfulness, if you don't have all of those things, it's not that you have to do something more. Partner with the Spirit. Go, choose spiritual empowerment. Cling to him and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to work in me. I need self-control. I can't, man, I, I have to come under your authority here. I need you, Holy Spirit. I heard uh, a pastor say this one time. He said, we admire people's gifts more than we do the fruit sometimes. Yeah. And it's not, and, and he goes on to say, that's not good. We get overly concerned about our gifts and what we can do, but we're not nearly concerned enough with our character. And, and the, the, the soil from which the, the gifts are coming from. I want us to be a church that understands the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, we're going to teach it to our youngsters, but I want us as adults to grab a hold of these things. The same way that Paul is talking to the church at Galatia, we have to hear what he's saying. We take off the yoke of slavery. We, we give no confidence to the flesh. We choose the Spirit. We want to walk by the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit and we're going to ask him to do some work in us before we ask him to do something through us. 
Does that make sense? I heard this this past week. It's, uh, it is fruits, not miracles, that separate us from the world. That's so good. It is fruits, not miracles, that separate us from the world. Jesus didn't say that the world would know us because of our power and our signs, but they would know us by our love for one another. Amen. Now, again, I'm not talking bad about signs and wonders. I'm all for that. Like, come on, Lord. When we get on campus or we're downtown, like, heal this brother. I want to see God work in all these ways, but I want to see, especially in our community, I want to see love just grip us. That when we look at things like sharing the gospel in our speech class or whatever it is, we're just so compelled because the the Spirit has produced a love for our neighbors, a gentleness, a kindness that we just have to. We're at Cracker Barrel and it's like, God, I can't contain myself. I'm at the gym, and I just got to do the awkward thing and take the headphones off, and I have to say this to this guy because I just the Holy Spirit is saying, talk to him. That's what spiritual empowerment looks like. It is partnering with him first to do a work in you. There's a character where you're trustworthy to handle those gifts that Nate's going to talk about in just a couple of weeks. And I love, you know, just the parallel of of what he's talking about, this fruit in John 15, about abiding in Christ. That in order for the branch to produce any fruit, it has to be connected to the vine. When we abide in Jesus, the natural, the natural result of cultivating that relationship is fruit. It is just a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And he ends by saying, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And this verb that they use to, that says stay in step with the Spirit is to be in line or to stand beside a person or a thing or to hold on to, to agree with or to follow. And I love the, the present imperative. just goes, it's a habitual thing. It's not just a one-time, man, you may have prayed a prayer and made that decision, but it is a, it is a daily surrender, a daily waking up and saying, hey, today I am yours. I'm not going to be too busy to be interruptible. I want to follow you. I want to just, I want to flow with you, man. Wherever you go, I want to go. You lead me. I want to say what you want me to say. So would you guys just stand? I want to end with this. It it comes back to the question. So what do, what does it look like to pursue spiritual empowerment? When we say biblically grounded, spiritually empowered, what does it look like? And why do we do it? Why do we want us to do this, Stephen? Number one, because we want to be led by the Spirit, right? We put no confidence in the flesh. Can we just say that together? No confidence in the flesh. We want to be led by the Spirit. And in being led by the Spirit, we are sanctified. Right? We talk about this all the time. I want to look like Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you're going to look like Jesus is the Holy Spirit sanctifying you into that image. And these fruits are Jesus' character. Jesus embodies love. If you struggle with love, that's going to be our next step challenge this week. You know, every week we have a next step challenge. We don't want you just to hear things in your head, fill up a bunch of knowledge, but we have a way for you to actually play it out and try it. Here's our next step challenge. Every day this week, I want you to meditate on the fruit. Is it up here? Meditate on the fruit of the Spirit. Is there a particular fruit that you struggle to produce? If so, ask, seek, knock, and partner with the Holy Spirit. If you struggle with self-control, like, man, I just, I cannot overcome this. Okay, great. 
Stop doing it in your own strength and ask him. Seek him in those things. God, I want to produce gentleness with my coworkers or my children. I want to produce love with people around me, to my husband, to my wife. Ask him. He's not hiding from you. He's waiting for you. He wants to walk this out with you. And here's, here's another one. I, I want you to make an intentional effort to partner with the Holy Spirit every morning this week. This is simple. And I'll send this out in the next, the, uh, the midweek email. Not just this week, I put in parentheses, forever. All right? This doesn't end. By speaking this over yourself to begin your day. Holy Spirit, I put no confidence in the flesh today. I have been crucified with Christ. I intentionally, right now in this moment, as my feet hit the ground, I intentionally partner with you today. Empower me and lead me. Display, and you just you put whatever fruit you need in that, that little section. Display love in and through me today. Help me look more like Jesus to the world around me. Yeah. Can we do that? Come on, guys. Can we do that? Here's the deal. I know I was talking about spiritual empowerment, what that looks like, the fruit of the Spirit. But as I was walking through Galatians 5, I know that some of you were struck by other things. Maybe this morning you need to take that yoke of slavery off and lay it down, and you need to choose a better way. Maybe you've been caught up in the flesh, and you're just so beat up by the things of the flesh, sexual morality, all these things. Guess what? Man, if we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive. So I want to provide a space. If you need to just repent and ask Jesus to come and just clear your heart, clear your mind, lay your sin down. If you need him, if you need Jesus, would you just run to me? I will jump around and celebrate with you. Like, that is the best thing. This whole room would erupt. Last week there was a salvation, and this week will be a salvation. I know it. So come and talk to me. I want you to know Jesus. And for those of you who have put in too much confidence in the flesh, during this last song, crucify the flesh. Put no confidence in it. All right, Holy Spirit, we thank you for, man, we just thank you for coming and living within us. We, we just, we recognize right now that you're at work in the room and you're within us. And we just ask that you would produce the fruit of your spirit. The, your fruit, just come right now. I ask this week, just fashion us, Lord, chisel us to look more like Jesus in every way, every shape, every form. We want to look like him, we want to smell like him, we want to act like him, we want to talk like him, we want to walk like him. And that's only possible through you. So have your way with us. God, I pray that you would lead us to repentance. Let us grab a hold of that gift. Save them in the room. God, I know that scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the only one who draws people to the Father. So Holy Spirit, just draw them right now. Draw them. Let us worship in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the Next Step Challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website linked below.